Do you believe that? This is not just a song. This is not something that we're just saying, but do you believe that? That Jesus is powerful and he conquered the grave. Do you believe that? Father, thank you so much. Thank you so much that we get to celebrate in victory that you conquered death. You conquered the grave and you've given us an opportunity to experience that victory in you, Jesus. Thank you for dying on the cross for us. It's for our sins you came to this earth and it's for our sake, for our sin. You went on that cross because it was a punishment that we deserved, but you took it and you bore it on your body for us. But it's for us you resurrected to give us a new life. And that life is found in you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that we get to experience that. Lord God, I pray that this Resurrection Sunday will not just be another Sunday for people who are here, but will be a day that we get to experience new life and a new beginning that is found in you. So whatever we came in here with, Jesus, I pray with the message of the resurrection, we will not leave the same. We will see that there's a fresh start and a new beginning, a new life that you have offered to us. That whatever we came in here with, we will leave transformed because you give life to hopelessness. You give life to death. You give life to the powerless. I pray we will experience that today. God, I pray as we spend time in your word, open our eyes, open our eyes to see the beauty of today. Transform our hearts. Dead hearts, bring it back to life. Cold and passionate life, passionateless life, God, awaken us. Open our eyes. Give life to our dead hearts today. We pray in your name. Amen. You may be seated. Guys, good morning. My name is Carly Lundy, and uh, I get the privilege of serving alongside of my brother Dahadi here at Blueprint Church, and we are glad that you are joining us today on this Resurrection Sunday um, in fact, every Sunday is Resurrection Sunday for us here, right? But we want to take this time, this special day, uh, to remember specifically that Jesus, our Savior, has conquered the grave. Jesus has conquered the grave. Jesus, who died on the cross, he was buried in a grave, and three days later, he rose from the dead. He rose from the dead. What we are celebrating today is one of the most important events in human history. And not only that, but this event sets Christianity apart from all other world religion. No other religion around the world could make such an incredible claim, incredible claim that their savior, their founding leader, their teacher, their prophet is not dead. Muhammad is dead. Harry Krishna is dead. Confucius is dead. Buddha is dead. Abraham and Moses, who we love, 
is dead, but Jesus, our Savior, is alive. No other religion could make this claim. And not only is Jesus alive, but he has also made a way for us to have this life. And with this resurrection, Jesus proved that death is not the end. Death is not the end. And there is more to this life. This life is not all that there is. There's a greater life that God wants for us, a greater life that God wants you to experience. And he has prepared a way for us to experience that life. It's a life that we were made for. And it's a life that we are all searching for. And this life does not have to just be limited to the afterlife, but this is a life that you and I can experience today. We can experience that life today. And so I want to welcome you. If this is your first time at Blueprint and you were dragged here by a family or a friend, right, good. I'm happy they dragged you, right? But I'm happy that you are here to celebrate on this day with us. And I pray that you will see as we talk about the resurrection, that the resurrection offers us a new beginning. Whatever you came in here with, Whatever that you have going on in your life, the resurrection of Jesus gives us a new beginning. And if you're coming back to church and you haven't been in church for a while, man, we want to welcome you as well. Thank you for coming. If for whatever reason you left church, you lost passion for God, or you've lost passion to be around Christians, or you just kind of lost passion in your spiritual pursuit of Jesus, I pray today the same thing, that the Lord will renew a passion in you, renew that desire to pursue Jesus. And so today I want to take the time to talk about what makes the resurrection so meaningful. What makes the resurrection so significant for us? Something that happened more than 2,000 years ago, why does that matter today? Why should I care about it? And I believe the way that we answer or understand that question will have a very significant impact on your life, not just today, but forever. What makes the resurrection meaningful? Our text today is 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 19. And we're going to see three reasons why the resurrection should matter to you. Three reasons why the resurrection should matter to you. One, the resurrection offers us a better life. Two, the resurrection offers us a true life. And three, the resurrection offers us a lasting life. Right? A better life a true life, and a lasting life. So one, the resurrection offers us a better life. What do I mean by that? First of all, it does not mean that if you believe in the resurrection or if you believe in Jesus, that makes your life better than other people, right? And that should be obvious, but I just have to say that if it's not. If you are a Christian, it doesn't mean that your life is better than people who don't believe like you look like you, or live like you, right? Some of us have had those experiences where we've been around religious people that's made us feel like we're not good or they're better than us. They're probably more be- or better morally or maybe better in their marriage or maybe better in raising their kids 
or just better in figuring out life. But the reality is every single one of us, whether we're religious or not religious, we're all jacked up. We're all messed up. In fact, I think those who really understand who Jesus is would probably be, be, be the first one to tell you that their life is more messed up, more jacked up than you can ever imagine. Right? Because they understand the radical sin nature that lives inside of them, and this is why they're desperately in need of Jesus. Right? Because we all have things in our lives that we are working through. We all have struggles. We all have doubts. We all have doubts about our faith, doubts about God. We still have some difficult things that we are processing. Every single one of us, no matter how good we may look on the outside, the truth is we are messed up, me included, me included. And so we are desperately in need of Jesus. And this is why every single one of us need to be in a place like this to encourage each other to look to Jesus, the one who can radically transform our lives and make our lives better. But then how does the resurrection make your life better? Well, the resurrection gives us hope. The resurrection gives us hope. Hope to know that God is not through with us. God is not finished with us. Even when things seem hopeless, our fight with certain addiction, our fight with anger or anxiety or rejection, and we feel hopeless, even in our fight of certain sin, it may seem hopeless, but God has power to take what seems hopeless, things that, are, that seems done, finish, and give it new life. You see, those people who crucified Jesus on Friday thought that he was done. They thought that killing Jesus, he was over. It was done, and it was hopeless. But we see God has power to bring things that seem to be finished and done and hopeless, has power to bring it back to life. And so people may have said that to you, or you may have said that, say that about yourself, that it's hopeless, and that God can't do anything in me or with me, or maybe people in your family, your friends, your husband, your wife, your kids, that, man, it's hopeless. No, there's always power. God has power to bring things that are hopeless to life, and that power is found in the gospel. In verses 1 and 2 that we just read, we are encouraged to remember the gospel, to remember the hope that is found in the gospel. Paul, the author of 1 Corinthians that we just read, he says to us, I want to remind you, brothers and sisters, of the gospel I preached to you, which you receive and which you stand and by which you are being saved. Every single one of us, whether we are a Christian or not a Christian, we need to remember the gospel. And the gospel message of Jesus is the most powerful, life-transforming message that you can ever hear. And honestly, it's better than counseling or therapy. And yes, I think we do need counseling and therapy. But the gospel goes beyond behavior modification 
or changing our mental health, but the gospel brings dead people to life. The gospel is what brings people to life, and nothing else could do that. It radically changes a person from the inside out. The gospel gives a new heart and a new life. But what is the gospel, and what does that have to do with the resurrection? What does that have to do with the resurrection? The gospel message of Jesus. Listen, it's not just the first four books in the New Testament, right? Yes, the first four books in the New Testament are referred to as the gospels, but those first four books are centered on one message, and that message is God's redemptive love for us for every single one of us. And it doesn't matter who we are or what we have done, God unconditionally loves us. And not only that, but this God who unconditionally loves us, he also invites us to come to him just as we are. Just as we are. We are unconditionally loved and fully accepted by a perfect God. And that is good news. That's good news. A perfect God loves imperfect people. That's good news. And he has made a way for imperfect people to experience this love. And this is why the gospel is defined as the good news, which is the greatest news, the best news. It it, it communicates to every single one of us, although we are more sinful and flawed than we could ever imagine, yet at the same time, the gospel tells us we are more loved and more accepted in Jesus than we could ever have hoped for. You are more flawed than you could ever imagine, but you are more loved more love than you can ever dreamed of. And that's what the gospel message tells us. In the gospel, we are reminded that Jesus, the son of God, came to this earth. He lived the perfect life for us, a life with no sin. He lived that life for us because we could not have lived that life because we're not perfect. None of us in here are perfect, but Jesus lived that life for us and it was credited to us. And not just that, but Jesus took on the punishment that we deserved on the cross for us. A punishment that we all deserve. We all earned that. But Jesus took that. And not just that, but then Jesus rose from the grave to give us a new life that we could never have earned. And then this is the beautiful gift that we receive freely from God. And we receive it through faith in Jesus. And so we see the gospel provides a way for us to be right with God and to experience this new life that we were made for, right? Which this is, this is a life with him. He made us to live a life with him, a new life in Jesus's resurrection that we get to experience. And that is a good life. And that is the best life. And Paul writes later in Romans chapter 6, verse 4, he says, Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into his death so that Christ was raised. So as Christ was raised from the dead, the glory to the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. And pretty much what that verse is saying is when Jesus died 
And when Jesus resurrected, everything in our old lives were buried with him. Everything in our old lives were buried with him. He carried all of them away and put them to death, and he remembers them no more. It's been in the news lately, um, and I've seen this in a couple news network and on some talk shows. Um, There was a woman who is pretty famous in the adult industry, and she just recently got baptized. And so she just recently got baptized, gave her life to Jesus, She went ahead and changed her name, deleted all of her adult content on her social media and everything, and not just that, but went to seminary, graduated, got a doctoral degree in theology. Now, people have been interviewing this woman because they're interested. Like, what happened? What made this change in your life? And so people are interested about what happened, But then not only that, but there are some people who are skeptical about what happened because her past was very dark and very sinful. And it's hard to imagine someone like that having such a dramatic change. Now, only God knows whether or not a change, a radical change really happened in that person. But the reality is when God makes us new, everything about us is dead. Everything about our dead, our our past is dead. Our old self is dead in Christ. All of our old ways, our old attitude, our old thinking, our old desires, all of it is dead. And even the shame and the guilt that are attached to those things, they're all buried, deleted. They're no more. Now, people may have a hard time believing that, Or you may have a hard time bearing that history in your own mind and forgiving yourself and letting those things go. But God did. He let those things die and they're dead and there are no more. He buried all of our past in the death of Christ and he remembers them no more because the resurrection made us new. It gives us a new identity. It gives us a new name, and we are now sons and daughters of a king. Point number two, the resurrection offers us a true life. In verses three to eight, Paul gives us a list of reason to believe in the resurrection, a list of reason to believe that the resurrection is true, that God really rose Jesus from the dead to give us a new life, a true life. Jesus really is alive. He's alive. And not just alive in our hearts or in our minds. You know, when you have like a loved one pass away, you say, "Um, you know, this person is alive in my heart or alive in my mind, alive in our memory. But no, he is truly alive. He is physically alive where you can touch him, feel him, see him, talk to him. You can have a real experience with him. And this is why he goes and he gives a list of reason to believe that, where he says he appeared, Jesus appeared to the disciples. And then not just that, but at one time he appeared to 500 people all at once. Jesus was outside. He was there publicly showing himself for 40 days. 
40 days before his ascension. When he rose from the dead for 40 days, he walked around teaching publicly to show that he was alive. And not only that, but then we read in Luke chapter 24, Luke chapter 24, 36, which is a very hilarious, when you think about it, right? And my mind has this weird way of like putting myself in the story. Very hilarious story. So the disciples hear that Jesus rose from the dead. The, the, the women come to them and like, yo, Jesus is alive. And they're sitting in a room amongst themselves discussing like, uh, you know what? I don't really believe it. You wouldn't believe it either. Right? Just imagine going to the cemetery. And then, like, you see someone just pop out from the grave. Like, that would just kind of freak you out a little bit, right? So think about it. We, as Christians, we are telling people that a dead person came back from life. My wife the other day was just telling me how, like, she's working with a patient, and she's asking this patient about, hey, Easter, do you celebrate Easter? And the person was like, you want me to worship or celebrate a zombie? Right? I mean, one, that's the way that the world probably thinks. But then, really, when we talk about the resurrection, it makes Christians sound crazy. Right? You go to a a cemetery, and you see a dead person pop out from the grave. Your typical response would not be, oh, let me love this dead person. Your typical response would not be, hey, let me give my life and sacrifice everything to this dead person, right? Your typical response would not be, let me worship this person who is dead. Your typical response would be, let me run. Let me run really far and really fast, right? Your typical response would not to be believe something like that. And so this is why when we see in Luke chapter 24, when Jesus rose from the dead and he just pops up behind the disciples and then the disciples were scared. And then Jesus had the audacity to tell him, yo, calm down, <laughs> right? Just peace be with, with you, calm down. You just popped out of nowhere behind me. And then so Jesus is telling them, peace be with you. And so they were surprised because they thought they were seeing a ghost. And then so Jesus goes further and he says to them, listen, I'm not a ghost. Touch me. Feel me. Right? And see the holes in my hands and the holes in my feet that I'm not a ghost. And then the funny thing is, again, this is why my mind is all messed up and I apologize, but this is how you can tell Jesus has some melanin in him. Because the next thing he says is, y'all got some food? You know what I'm saying? It's like, he comes from the grave. And then like the next thing he says is, I'm hungry. Right? And so Jesus ate with them. So he tells them, touch me, fill me, and I can eat with you. That I am really alive. Fill my bones, fill my flesh, see my hose. I am really alive. And this is the experience that Jesus wants us to have with him. This is the encounter that Jesus wants every single one of us to have. Not just a faith, listen, not just a faith that is based on philosophical or theological belief, but a faith that is grounded in true experience, right? An experience where we have felt God's presence. We have felt his touch. 
We can't deny that God is alive. Have you had that experience with Jesus? Because a faith that is based on philosophical or just theological belief will not stand. And the reason why it will not stand is because you will always find someone smarter than you or someone more convincing than you to have you believe in something else. Or if it's not someone smarter than you or more convincing than you, but your own emotions sometimes could get the best of you. Your own emotions sometimes could have you believing in something else. And for the most part, it's our own emotions that will have us believing in something else. Listen, CNN right now could come out with a special and say that we have found the bones of Jesus. And I would be like, nah, nope. You probably found the bones of Jesus, but not Jesus, right? Not Jesus. That would not get me to believe, right? Even if they said, ah, we found the bones of Jesus. I've had several conversations with people of other religion, atheists, and a lot of them are very smart and smarter than me, right? I'm not that smart, but a lot of them are very smart, more convincing. But even in those conversations with them, that still does not get me to believe in something else. But God forbid, if I get a call today that something tragically happened to my wife, God forbid, if I get a call today that my kids were physically abused or hurt. Or God forbid, if I get a call from a doctor saying that I have a terminal disease. If my faith is not grounded in a real experience with Jesus, if my faith is only grounded in emotions or self-help religion, if my faith is only grounded in philosophical or theological belief, no matter how much I believe or no matter how much knowledge I have or how religious I am, it will be hard for me to stand on a faith that's not grounded in a true experience with God. And this is why we all need to have those true encounter and experience with God. I may not understand what he is doing or why he allowed things to happen, but if I've truly experienced Jesus, I cannot deny him. And so this is why we see the resurrection is so important because it offers us a true life a true experience that is grounded, not just in an idea, not just in theology or philosophy. All those things are good. But if it's not grounded in a real experience, it will not stand. And this is why the psalmist says in Psalm 34, taste and see that the Lord is good. Don't just take our words for it. Don't just take my words for it. Go and see for yourself. When Jesus resurrected from the dead, this is what they went to tell people. Go and see for yourself that he is alive. Experience him for yourself. 
Experience his goodness for yourself, his love for yourself, his grace for yourself, and see that he is indeed good. And not the Jesus of your mom or your grandma or the Jesus of your friends, but no, Jesus that you have experienced for yourself. And you see that it's not just an idea or just wishful thinking, but our faith is rooted in a real person. When we experience God's goodness directly in a person, we will see that he is good and this life is true. Finally, the resurrection offers us a lasting life. Lasting life. Verses 17 through 19 Paul says that if the resurrection is not true, then the world should feel sorry for followers of Jesus. Because followers of Jesus have wasted their lives believing in something that is a lie. If the resurrection is not true. And this is what Paul says. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. It's a waste. You are still in your sin then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are all people most pitied. And this is a pretty strong and sobering statement that Paul is making. If the resurrection is not true, then Christians, you are wasting your life and wasting your time being here. You should be somewhere else, vacationing on a beach, not here. Because this would be a waste of time, believing in vain, right? If the resurrection is not true, then all of Jesus' disciples, which history has recorded, were killed for preaching a lie. Either they knew it was a lie, or they were just imagining it, or they created this elaborate story. Either way, it would be sad because every single one of them were killed for believing in this resurrection. They died for nothing. What was their gain? For preaching something that wasn't true and that they didn't truly experience. Giving up their lives for something that wasn't true. What did they get out of it? History records Peter was crucified upside down in Rome. History records Andrew was crucified on an X-shaped cross in Greece. James beheaded in Jerusalem. Bartholomew was skinned alive and beheaded in Armenia. Matthew was speared to death in Ethiopia. Thomas, same thing, speared to death in India. James stoned to death in Jerusalem. Thaddeus or Jude killed with arrows in Armenia. Simon the zealot crucified in Samaria. What was their gain for believing and preaching something that they probably knew was a lie? Why would you do that? Why would you hold on to something when you're being tortured that you know is not true and it's a lie? Or if they did really have an experience with a real Jesus. I think about one of our missionaries. Um, her name is Caitlin Sells. Um, I got a chance to meet her about two weeks ago. She's 28 years old. She graduated from Auburn University with an engineering degree, I believe. 
And so she could have went to work and make tons of money, right? Graduate school, buy a new house, buy some nice cars, get married, have kids, pretty much live the good life, right? Because this is what we all want. We want to live the good life. But instead, she chose to be a missionary. One day, she heard about Christian around the world that did not have the Bible written in their language. And so she decided to be a part of that solution and move, right, to a certain place and dedicate her life to translating the Bible to do that. And now she's trusting the Lord every single day to provide her with a place to stay. And that's not even constant. And she's trusting in the Lord every day to provide for her financial support, to live on, to survive. And that's not even constant. Why would she do something like that? What's the gain unless you've had a real experience with Jesus? That is foolishness in the eyes of the world. Or unless you've had a real experience with Jesus. And this is what Paul is saying. If the resurrection is not true, all of us are foolish. We're all foolish in the way that we're living for Jesus because we could just go and live the good life. Go to school, get a degree, make a lot of money, get a nice job, buy a house, buy a nice car, get married, have a family, live the good life. Enjoy everything that this life has to offer because this life is the only life that is, that there is if the resurrection is not true. But if the resurrection is true and Jesus did really raise, rose from the dead, then Jesus proved to us that this life is not it. This life is not it. This life is not all that there is, and this life is just temporary. This life is an appetizer to a full life that's to come called eternal life. And some of us are getting full off of this life and not anticipating the full life that's yet to come. My wife and I, we went to a Mexican restaurant um, two days ago. And, you know, in Mexican restaurants, they bring to you like the chips and salsa, right? And so we're ordering food. We ordered our food and we're sitting here. We're just snacking on the chips and salsa, eating the chips and salsa. And we ordered a food. And by the time it got to us, we were full. We were full off the chips and salsa. And then we asked the waitress, we're like, hey, can you bring us a box? Because we're full. And she looked at us crazy, like, you just wasted your money. <laughs> like, the chef in the back, our master chef, prepared something good for you, but you got full off the chips and salsa? You're foolish. You just wasted this great meal that our chef prepared for us. In Matthew chapter 16, this is what Jesus is saying to us. What profit is it for a man to gain the whole world but then lose his soul? And Jesus is saying, this life is just chips and salsa. You are snacking on. You're snacking on this life. You're snacking on this life until you are full, and now you have no desire for the real thing, no desire for the real life, no desire for the good life, no desire for the true life, no desire for the lasting life. 
that our amazing God has prepared for us. And if you spend your whole life snacking on chips and salsa, pursuing these things in this life, you will miss out on the life that God is preparing for you. This life is temporary. This life is passing away. Nothing in this life will last. And we know, we know that because we are experiencing it every single day. But then listen what, to what 1 John 2 says. And the world is passing away and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. He who does the will of God abides forever. We want the latest fashion. We want the nice bodies, right? I tried to get some abs the beginning of the year. You guys knew my struggle, and I still don't have any. We want all these things in this world. We want the best life now. But then Jesus shows us that ultimately everything in this life is temporary and will come to an end. It will be buried But the only thing that will last, he says, is he who does the will of God. He who does the will of God will abide forever. Now, that doesn't mean that you, to do the will of God, you become a missionary. That doesn't mean to do the will of God, you go and get yourself killed. But it does mean that we lose our life. But what does that mean? To lose our life. It means we bury our lives in Christ. And it sounds weird, but it doesn't sound weird when you take a seed and bury it into a ground. You bury that seed in the ground because you know that one day that seed will bring more than what was buried. We bury our lives in Jesus and the result of that will be a new life, a better life, a greater life, a lasting life, right? When we let go of our desires for this life and fully embrace God's life for us, when we lay aside and submit ourselves to Jesus, even if it means sacrificing everything, even if it means losing everything and wasting our lives, but to God, nothing is lost or wasted when we bury it in Jesus. And this is what Matthew chapter 10, 39 says, whoever loses life for my sake will find it. When we give ourselves fully to Jesus, that's how we find the life that we were made for. That's how we find this life that we are all searching for. See, in the resurrection, that's how we find this good life. That's how we find this true life. And this is how we find this lasting life. And we don't have to wait until the afterlife to experience this life. Because Jesus tells us we can experience that life today if we commit ourselves fully to him. This is why the resurrection matters to us. God has offered us a new beginning. All of our past have been buried with him. But what comes out of that is a brand new identity, a brand new life. All the shame from that past life is gone. 
and we can walk in this newness of life. This is why the resurrection is so significant. In just a little while, we're going to actually see a physical illustration of that. Now, a few people have made the decision to get baptized today. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and and that, that imagery, that symbolism is what's happened to all of us. And if you are here today and you don't know who Jesus is, man, we would love to take the time to walk you through that um, some more. And if you are here today and you have not been baptized and you would like to get baptized or even want to be a member of this church, uh, in the back we have our Connect uh, station. We would love to get your information and kind of walk you through that process. But man, what we're about to see is the, that reality, that these individuals who are about to get into this water, right, they were buried, buried with Christ. And once they come out of that water, a new identity. And this is what the gospel does for every single one of us. And this is why the resurrection is so significant. You have a new beginning, a fresh start, a new life. You can walk through these doors and, man, live to the glory of God because you're new. You're new. I want to pray for us, and then I want to ask uh, for those individuals to... um, be prepared. Thanks for worshiping with us. For more information about Blueprint Church, visit us online at blueprintchurch.org. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Blueprint Church. Have a great week, and we'll see you next Sunday.